You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, it's a pleasure to be your host as always. You'll see that the panel is makeshift this week and there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, Rory, who is now kind of just basically the BBC full-time, he's presenting Country File this weekend so he won't be on. And Wilson and Shankers, who are on the show every week, we'll give them credit, they love the show, they do the show. They're away to see the competition, they're away to see Open Goal this weekend so they won't be on tonight. They've let us down. In all seriousness, though, congratulations to everybody at Open Goal for the show coming up tonight. Or hope wishing them all the very best. A great achievement for that type of media to be able to get that type of audience. So congratulations to them and very best of luck to everybody there. And hope everybody enjoys the show. It just looks an amazing thing to go and see. But we've we've brought in a we've brought in a great panel this week as well. When you if in doubt, you turn to your brother. Callum, my brother, it's a pleasure to welcome you on the show. Thanks very much for joining me this week. No problem, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant. And we're joined as always by Charlie Richmond. Charlie, it's a pleasure to welcome you on the show this week. Thanks very much for joining me. No, thanks for the invitation. Delighted to uh, come in and, and, and help you out in your hour of need um, for there. You picked and, a great and, weekend to be on with all the refereeing decisions we're going to have to do tonight. <laughs> Plus, I wanted to speak to Shankers about his game yesterday. Dear, dear. Yeah, that was some game up at Were you at it? Were you at that? No, no, afraid not. No. Yeah, it's been a wild game. We'll cover that. Sh- we'll cover all the West of Scotland games and the extra show that's coming up this week. I'll make a wee announcement about that later on. But we have a couple of wee housekeeping things just to take care of before we get into the results. Shankers won a predictor this week with eight points. So congratulations to Shankers. Great week for him. And as well as that, we've got an extra show coming up on Friday with B, the juniors. So we'll announce more about that during the week. So that's something to look forward to this week, this week coming. We'll look at the six results in the Premiership before we move into other things. Hearts 2, Motherwell 0, St Johnston 3, Dundee 1, Dundee United 1, Ross County 0, Livingston 0, St Mirren 1, Aberdeen 1, Celtic 2 and Rangers 2 has won today. We'll start off at uh, Tynecastle. Hearts 2, Motherwell 0. Hearts went top of the league for, to, for yesterday. 2-0 victory, Liam Boyce for a penalty and then a terrific free kick for Stephen Kingsley. Charlie, I'll start with you. It's a terrific result for Hearts, but it was a kind of very even game, I would say. I think Hearts got the better of the quality, but Muddle take, can take away a lot of positives from that. It was just a kind of good game all round, wasn't it? Definitely. It seems to be that um, Hearts started the game better, got off to the, 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 the better start. The penalty, again, I, I, I just, I'm an opinion decision with regards to there. The boys, boys is scoring for fun at the moment. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to take that chance. And then again, Kingsley with a, with a wonderful free kick. But again, question the goalkeeper setting up the wall to his left side. And then he moves across and, and he's and then he's done by taking that extra step, step and a half, and he puts it into his right hand corner. But it seems to be that in the second half that Motherwell really put on the pressure. And if it wasn't for Craig Gordon having a couple of saves, they may have got Motherwell may have got something out of that. But going to going to Tynecastle is <laughs> a difficult place to go. <laughs> okay, we, we say that regular on here, but I'll I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you as well. I think Motherwell had a lot of chances. Craig Gordon was terrific. 
I think as well, you've got to give a, a lot of recognition to the two midfielders yesterday. Ben, is it Benigmin? Benigmin, I think. Yeah, he midfielder. seems to be setting a header on fire. Everybody seems to be talking about this player. And 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 sometimes that can be the downfall because no. there may be a few scouts heading to Tynecastle to look at this. Can can we take him in a in a permanent deal from there? So and sometimes it's good that he'll. He may be even be looking just to, to reignite his, his his career as well. And then there's other times that people have just be coming in and saying, oh, is it Scottish football a stepping stone for him? But he seems to be on fire at the moment. And he yeah. seems to be generally a very good technical player. Yeah, he looks, he's, some of his control yesterday and some of his technique is brilliant. I thought as well the boy Irvin as well, I thought he had a really good game in the midfield. I think they kind of complement each, well, each other together quite well. Callum, what was your thoughts on Hearts 2, Muddle 0? Yeah, you look at it. Um, I think, also you've got to mention uh, Wayne Boyce. Um, I think, obviously he gets a penalty, but he also misses a penalty. Um, also, to put that across to Charlie, whether that was a penalty as well. But, um, yeah, they're playing well. I mean, the thing is, can they keep it up for the remainder of the season? The fact, obviously, it's the two big Glasgow clubs who, obviously, um, go away with at the end of the season. But the challenge for Hearts next will be to keep it going as far as they can. Did you think it was a penalty the second one, Charlie? I'm sorry, I, I never saw it, Paul. I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here wide open here to be absolutely slaughtered, um, because <laughs> the commitments now of running after your son and daughter have <laughs> taken me away. I know, I know that uh, the, the highlights were on about the back of twelve or something like that. But an old codger like me is likely to go to his bed at that time. But. Uh, for 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 uh, future reference, I, I will do my uh, homework before I come on. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was a penalty. I thought it was it was kind of one of those you get you, you've seen them given, but in the in the height of the day, is it a penalty? I don't know, but I do I do think Hearts are certainly. The good thing about that, thing. Scott. The good thing about that is Hearts rose to the pressure. Yeah. Albeit they were only going to the top of the league for potentially 24 hours minimum they've rose to the pressure yeah. uh, and and they took that and they said right we're, we're going to go out and get a result and it also shows as well a bit of unity and a bit of working for each other can get you a long way mm-hmm. sometimes it's not always about that wonderful great player that comes in and set sometimes it's just working as a team with regards to there so so Nielsen will be taking that away. Robbie will be taking that away that he's delighted because Motherwell were obviously on a good run as well. So to get that and, and go top of the league, he'd be, he'd be happy with that. Yeah, definitely. I, it's like, I was surprised that uh, Motherwell done the score. Did you see the amount of saves that Craig Gordon had to make? Yeah, I know. But if, if you're talking about a player like Beningame who came up for England on loan, if that's a loaning out a, a goalkeeper who they don't have um, for somebody for down England, would he make the kind of saves the same as Craig Gordon would? I think it's difficult. I think Craig Gordon, you know what you're getting with Craig Gordon. It's the same with McGregor the day. You see some of the saves McGregor makes, even on Thursday night as well. You know what he's... These guys, and, and I'll, I'll use Craig um, as an example, Craig was ridiculed because he wasn't playing the ball with his feet. He, yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't Brendan Rod, but he, what a, a goalkeeper, a shortstopper, a, a, and a, a communicator and a commander. And sometimes you need that more than playing the ball. Mm. For the feet. Do you know you've got to buy about Craig Gordon as well as remember? Remember before he signed for Celtic, it was very un- a lot of people thought, including me, that he might never play again. 
There's a lot of injury, yeah. There's a lot of injury problems, and to co- to come back, obviously, it was terrific at Celtic. He's went to Hearts and just done the same thing. He's he's had a great career, and I think we don't speak often enough just how good he's been for his club, for the clubs he's played for. But uh, obviously, Hearts were top of the league. A brilliant result for them. Keeps their unbeaten run, league run at the start of the season going. But we'll move into St. Johnson 3, Dundee 1. Chris came with a double. Stevie May for St. Johnson as well, with Sweeney scoring Dundee's first goal in six games, I believe. Callum, St. Johnson, you need, to, you need your strikers to score goals, and they've done it yesterday. Chris came with two, Stevie May with, with one. That gives them a lot, of, a lot of confidence that their strikers are doing the business. Aye, they really needed it. Um, I think is that maybe their first or second one of the season? Yeah, I don't um, try. I think you're right. Aye. Um, I think they really needed. It. I think that puts them up to eight for seven. If I'm right or wrong, I don't know. But um, they really needed that one. Um, it'll be a big um bonus, obviously, seeing Stevie May on the score sheet. Um, somebody who's not scored for St. Johnson for a while. I looked at. Um, so it'll be a big positive for them to see how far they can keep going now after the wee. European stint, so good to see how far they can go now. Yeah, definitely. Charlie St. Johnson, obviously, we had a big one there against Indy. We'll touch on Indy in a wee moment, but St. Johnson are, as I said there, the, the, the strikers doing their duty. It's it's important at a club like St. Johnson that they, your number nine gets goals like that. And Chris Kane, obviously, had a double yesterday. It's a big boost for him and obviously a big, big boost for St. Johnson after a kind of shaky start, would we say? Very much so. Very much so because, <clears throat> excuse me. I said uh, on, on a, a, a time last year, I said I'd be surprised to, to see St Johnston back at Hamden, and, and I eat my words uh, very, very uh, graciously. Um, you need your strikers to take the chances because St Johnston are not going to create a lot of chances yeah. in, in other games with regards to this. But what I will do to back up St Johnston is I said that once they go out of Europe, they're a team to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think Callum Davison is a wonderful young manager who knows how to manage people to get the best out of them. And he knows the formation that the players can understand and play. And they're very, very strong defensively. Albeit, okay, they conceded. But you'll notice, I don't think you'll ever see St. Johnson getting thumped 4-5 nothing because of the organisation of it and and the way Callum Davison does. And I think... I'm, I'm going to be shot down. I'm going to put, but I think St. Johnston will go into the top six. I know that they're sitting eighth at the moment uh, and they're one point, they're four points behind Celtic, etc., etc. And I think they'll be in the top six by Christmas and stay in it all season. I really think they're a good uh, team to watch with this, the, the way they play football. And if they create three, four chances, these strikers are going to take one or two, and sometimes that might be just winning games by one or two goals, like yeah. at the weekend. Also, we are talking about the um, the European team that went. They also lost. Uh, was it Jason Kerr and McCann? I was just on deadline well, They are two yeah. players that um, obviously were the backbone of the team. So to lose the two players without a replacement, it's obviously a, a big miss as well for them. Um, to lose the two players without a replacement, so. Yeah, I think that obviously the you you made a good point there. Actually, you stole my you stole my shine McCann and Kerr, but they're two they're two massive players. They were two key players in the, the double winning campaign last season. To lose them, I think they brought in Ali Crawford as well. I think he could be a big player. I think he could be a big creative threat. Middleton as well. Glenn Middleton was a few times yesterday. I was I was watching them. Middleton's getting forward. Middleton's creating a lot. Hallett, you've got a Halloran's pace. He caused Rangers a lot of problems at the start of the season. Like. 
they've got the players there. It's it's just a case whether we can continue it. And again, as we've we've spoke, Wilson's made the point. Wilson made a big big deal last season, basically saying that Callum Davidson would be the first manager to get sacked. He's ate the words comfortably, but he made he makes a good point as well. Charlie, what's the what, where, where can St Johnson go like from here? They've always, they'll never experience that again, winning a double like that. What's where's the next step for St Johnson? Is it just maintaining that consistency of the top six and trying to go maintaining, far? Yeah, yeah, wholeheartedly. And this is and this is where as a as a supporter, as a board, and as a manager, you've got to be realistic mm-hmm. and say to yourself, right, <laughs> are St Johnston never going to win the Premier League? Probably not. Yeah. Are they going to be a regular top six team? I would say yes. Are they going to get to quarterfinals, semi-finals, and potentially finals of the of the League Cup and the Scottish Cup? I would say yes. So they're going to manage their club within that environment. Now there may be one time that they may slight slip into the bottom six, but good manage good club management. And also a good manager uh, will make sure that they they move back up. And yes. uh, if you're looking at a well-run club uh, at the moment, you don't have to look further than St Johnston. But realistically, as a, if 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 you if I was a St Johnston supporter, top six getting to semi-finals and and finals would be realistic for me. Yeah, we'll move into Dundee as well. Obviously, they're in a bit of a a bit of a struggle, obviously. James McPay came out, and I'll get your thoughts in a minute on this, Charlie. But Callum, which, what do you think about Dundee? Do you think they could struggle this season? Aye, I think, um, obviously watching them uh, last weekend um, at Cain Strangers, they, they, they actually were in the game at some points in the game, played good football and stuff. I think is a, um, the thing we were talking about with St. Johnson, they've got the two strikers who scored, Chris Kane in May. They don't really have an out-and-out big striker um, is obviously the position they're in. I don't know what position they're in now right enough, but I think it could be a tough season for them again to maybe go back. What about Griffiths? Like, he's, not, he's not firing, though. I mean, it's a thing. He wasn't playing for Celtic, so why is he, why is he going? He's, if he's going out and loan to Dundee, obviously it's to get him game time, but if he's not firing, then it's the same with signing any striker. Um, if they're not on form, if they're not fit enough, it doesn't look fit enough. Um, he went off against Rangers 45 minutes or something was played and he went off is he still not fat is he still not wanting to play is, what's the story with Griffiths obviously you said um, he's a he's a out and out number nine obviously one of the best strikers Scotland have had for a long time but if he's no firing then it's going to be a struggle for Dundee Charlie James McPake came out after the game and basically said obviously James McPake was in the stands after the yeah. incident last yeah. week with Gerard, but what's when he, when he comes out and says Dundee were playing like a championship team and he feels sorry for the, the coaching staff that had taken a take charge yet, where does that leave Dundee? Like, what does that mean for them? And I know Callum made the point there about Griffiths not being fat, but we know we know what Lee Griffiths can do when he's fully fat. That's We've yeah. said that for years, but at some point, Dundee need to start scoring goals or they could end, find themselves in a really, really difficult position. But they've got other players that you would you would hope that would step into that mark. They seem to be creating chances, not clear cut chances, but half cut chances. And and uh, Cummings as well it was a kind of reasonably striker and still in his day. So you would expect them. It just seems to be they're no gelling. They don't seem to be gelling as a club. And I think the Charlie Adams they're missing 
they're missing that influence with regards to him pulling the strings and, and cajoling and working and 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 we all know that the ability of Charlie Adams they could open up a defence with with one pass. So it just seems to be that they're no gelling at the moment. And McPake was talking about the defending was poor championship yeah. things for there, but again sometimes and and I'll talk on about another team the day that. Is it a case of, well, we're not good at defending, so do we have to go out and score more goals? But if you're not scoring goals uh, and, you're, and you're not defending, <laughs> can the midfielders will be sitting like, well, God, what can we do here? Yeah, exactly. and, I, and it just might need it just might need Dundee to... And looking, Dundee are sitting bottom. I, just might, I don't know when they play Ross County or when they play Livingston, which are the two closest teams. They maybe need to just go out and beat them two and three, nothing, and get that confidence boost and then kick on. Sometimes that's that. Whilst you're doing there, every point, everything is a prisoner. Yeah, definitely. But we'll move on to the other Dundee team. Dundee United won Ross County now. Dundee United were picking up a, a goal through uh, Niskanen, who scored his first goal. It continues a nice run of form for the D United. I think that's a fourth one in six games. It's a really good start for them. Ross County, again, playing well, wasteful in possession, just not getting the goal. But the D United, we've got to say as well, I, I was one of the people in this, I, when we done my predictions, I didn't think the D United would, would do as well as they have. It's a good good start for the season for them, Charlie. They have performed quite well to start the season off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know. We were, we were writing Dundee United off because we didn't know who the manager was. We didn't oh. know who Kurtz was. So Shanklin going as well. Like you're losing the goals. Shanklin is going as a, as a major goals for them. But prior to prior to him going, he wasn't battering goals. Uh, yeah, he, he wasn't. It wasn't can seven and seven games or something like that. Things for there. So again, here's a manager. He's come in. He's got a group of players and he's coaching and managing them to their strengths. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're maybe, again, they're maybe only creating one or two chances and they're taking it, albeit the goalkeeper. <laughs> what was the goal then, Tom? I know. And the goalkeeper framed it. It seemed to be that the draw was the kind of favourable result. But Kurtz is just going to take that. And it keeps the momentum going. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? When you play bad or, or you, you you play and you get the result, it gives you that wee more kick up and, and, and allows you to then we're not that can you start believing within your group and you we're, we're not that bad at all. Let's go, let's push. Sitting in the top six or sitting fifth. So that's a great start for them. Yeah, definitely. So been a great start from the top six. I didn't expect them to be there at the start of the season. So fair play to the United. Callum, what was your thoughts? The United won Ross County now. What was your opinion in that game? I, I, I didn't I didn't look too much into this uh, game, to be honest. But I think, as Charlie says, um, as, you, as you both say, losing Shankland, obviously he wasn't firing. Um, a big miss to the team. If he's, fat, if he's fat, then he's going to be a big boost to the team. But... Um, Ross County, uh, I, I think their relegation for me, um, I think they'll be rock bottom um, at the end of the season. I think they're not strong enough. Um, they've not either. They've not got a number nine who's going to be firing either. So, um, a, a tough game for Ross County, though, away at Dundee United. They've beat Rangers at home away to Celtic, got a result away at Celtic, won in the Dundee Derby, um, won yesterday. So, they're all they're going well, um, but 
the thing you look at is who wants to go to Tannadice, um, Tyne Castle, these types of grounds, who wants to go to the, 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 the parks and play um, Dundee United at home. So, yeah, good another good 1-0 one, one probably could have scored more. Um, but looking at it, good three points for Dundee United and gets them up to fifth. Uh, Charlie, it's a difficult place to go, but we'll touch <laughs> a wee bit on obviously what the kind of main story for this game. And it's obviously not the sort of stuff we want to be talking about, but we do need to touch on it. It was alleged after the game that a Ross County fan has made an alleged racist racist comment towards uh, folks of the United. Now, again, we need to emphasise as well, this hasn't been confirmed that this has happened. This has obviously been alleged. If you asked in the United, obviously we saw what Tam Close did after the game with the, the shot. Yeah. Well, Malcolm Mackay obviously came out after the game and has said that the stewards and the Ross County end didn't hear anything. We are, again, it's one of, the, one of these situations that we need to kind of air with caution because we don't know the full details. But Charlie, it's another thing where obviously we've hit, we saw on Thursday night the incident with uh, in Prague and Rico Katongo, Nathan Austin. That this obviously we've heard what's happened with them in the past few weeks as well. It's just it's a it's one of these things that we just need eradicated for the game. And until what is the solution? What is what can stop this from happening? Because it just feels as if we're going round in circles, and it's. It's going to just come up all the time and it's just so unnecessary and it's just so, it should be in the past where it belongs. Like it, it shouldn't be happening in 2021. No, it shouldn't be. And the problem is it's a, it's a society problem. Now, clubs have all got CCTV, mm-hmm. so they should be able to hone in on who's making the allegation with regards to that side of things. And, and if you're just putting something out there, then be careful. But... If it's proved, if things are proved, then you need to be strong. You need to be strong and bring a fear factor into things nowadays that when you are caught, you then get lifetime bans from every single football club in the world uh, and even bring in fines, fine the people individually and get them on the profile, get them up there and tell them that this person was guilty of this, this and this. Whereas if you just hide behind things, it's very difficult um, to, to, what should we say, punish, punish them. CCTV, identify them, get them out there and, and line them up, line them up and say, if this person is guilty of a racist comment towards a player, here you are, here is the player, talk to each other. And if nothing happens, get them to the, the jails know the place to go, but there's, there needs to be stronger punishment because sometimes if there's no stronger punishments, then you'll keep committing the crime. And fines, big massive fines, Put the money back into the to the charities to do things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm no I'm not advocating to make a, a a social personality of the person. I'm I'm there to to hyping that this this is what this person does, and and maybe on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's becoming a society thing. Do we? And, and sometimes as well, and and. Games that I've went to, I'm sure I've been 
people shouting abuse at me and, and that side of things. But because we go to a football ground, is it ex do we accept it? Can you know? I, mean, I, I pay my money, so I'm entitled to to show whatever I want. And people round about probably can identify who the person is, yeah. but there's the fear factor that they might end up getting uh, punished, i.e. a punch in the face or something that's got nothing to do with you. That's, but all they're trying to do is just highlight it to the club or to the stewards and stuff. Mm -hmm. In an individual in a small group, you could probably manage that. But when it becomes basically what we saw on Thursday night, it becomes very difficult. But you still need to be seen to be doing something. And and can we, we also as well, we've got the, the take the knee aspect and things. Ha, has it run its has it run its time? Do we need to do something more jolting towards it to, to it, it's very difficult, but when when you're guilty, when you're proved guilty, you need to highlight it and get them out there. Yeah, I think that thing you've kind of just explained it perfectly there. How the kind of my thoughts on it as well, Carl. Yeah, you want to add on the, the situation yesterday? Yeah, well, if we're talking about it as um, as Charlie says, it, if it's what if it has allegedly happened, there must be people around about the person who've said it who maybe look and go, "Oh, that's who said it." Do you know what I mean? Maybe the the way the media influences it now. You've looked at it. There's what one happened at the start of the season with Kyogo Furuhashi. It happened with him, Kamara last year. Obviously, one that happened yesterday. There must be maybe 30, 40 years ago. I'm not saying it's acceptable, but back then, it's not going to get maybe as publicised as it is now. But the thing is, people are on their phones now. People can report it. People can do this and that to try and prevent it. You're always going to get a select maybe one out of 10 doing it, no matter what, no matter where it is. But how many times have you seen it happen and how many times is it going to keep happening without... I'm actually doing something about it, as you say, Charlie, but it's a select few. It's not, it's not, it's a hundred percent not acceptable, but as you, as I said, years ago, it's maybe more, um, it's not getting nipped in the bud, but it's starting to get nipped in the bud now, but it keeps happening for some reason. It's not being, as you say, placed enough, uh, placed but, enough. Yeah. But why is it, why is it with these people when they see a black player Mm -hmm. They first initially think of going down that that's racism right. comment, and is, is, that's the thing that that, that we they need to get them talking, get them talking to each other. I don't know. You don't want to put the two of them in the room because all of a sudden you might have a bigger a bigger mm. case or something like that. But why is it that when we see when we see a, a white player who's had a bad game or whatever, we don't automatically go down the the racism, but why is it when we see a black player, that's the first thing that these people think about. They go down the racism, uh, uh, the racist comments and, and take it for that. And that and that can't be right. And that sh should be hauled up to them. And again, the CCTV, again, the thing is, but the point, Callum, you're saying about people round about, people might shy away because mm -hmm. of who it is. They might get a punch in the face, they might whatever. And unfortunately, sometimes that's what happens. Again, it's just one of these things that we we hate talking about, but more needs to we need to make, raise more awareness on it because it needs to be eradicated. And it's not uh, you've made a you made a point there as well, and I've agreed with us all along. It is a society problem. Like we, it's not it doesn't just happen in football. We see it, we see it and hear it everywhere. And I know in Scotland we've got a unique kind of thing of 
with religion as well. Like it's that it just needs all and it just needs all to go, and it's just it's just a bad advert for society, football as a whole. It just needs to go, and it's just the the days for them are. It should never be happening in the first place in, in any era, but especially now when we've got a lot more equality, we're seeing a lot more being done towards the other things like other kind of areas of equality and things like that. It just needs to go and it just we just need to be a, a fresher society and just be more equal. That's just the the reality and that's just where I wish we get to. But we'll we'll get back to the football. We'll touch on the, the game the other game yesterday. Livingston now St Marin won. A goal from Ethan Erehorn, which is a great goal. Gives St Marin a five-game unbeaten run. Callum, St Marin get the result, but they have to thank their goalkeeper, who probably put in one of the best performances of the week, keeping Livingston out, because I thought Livingston played really good stuff, but Jack Annick was excellent yesterday, I thought. Yeah, he made a, made a, as you say, he made a couple of great saves. Um, the thing is, everybody going um, away to Livingston, um, Another, as we say, another tough place to go. Um, to go away and get a um, a one 0 victory, it's, it's a good, it's a good result. It puts St Marin up a bit. Livingston, we brought it up on the, the past, the first three games we brought up on another team who I think will struggle this season. Um, St Marin, they, put, they played well. Um, both teams had good chances. Um, shots on goal. Um, I think there was it was not a, a penalty chance for Livingston early in the game. About 20, 30 minutes in, um, was there not a penalty chance or something? Um, but as I say, Livingston at home against St Marin, two kind of even teams closer to the bottom half of the table, um, should maybe be picking up at least a draw, a three points. But as you see, Jack, Jack Annett take a, a good few saves to make. So um, I think St Marin will be, the, will be delighted that we are three, three points in the, on the road. Yeah, definitely. I think you've phrased that really well there. Livingston now, St Marin won, Charlie. Who was your overall thoughts in the game? Yeah, just to echo what Callum says, I think Jack Annick was the, the star performer. He seems to be doing very, very well. Uh, again, he'll probably be putting his, his, his uh, stamp on that first-team jersey for, for long and weary. Can they keep on to keep hold of him with regards to there? But the big thing that's coming from this game is that any game at Livingston doesn't seem to be a good flowing game of football for for whatever reason and um, sometimes the pitch but sometimes the way Livingston to just sit in there and um, they obviously uh, the goalkeeper who was um very good last week but again has can he throw the ball into the the back of the net for them uh, I've said it before to you Scott and I'll say it again I think Livingston will struggle big time now um they, they, they played to their strengths when they had Lyndon Dykes up there. Um, I just don't see them having... They're the, the bringing a midfielder shinny. OK, he'll work hard. He'll do things as a, a natural goal scorer, playing left midfield and then playing as a, a striker. It's a big ask for the player. And as, as long as you go without scoring, the confidence goes and... And, and if you're not scoring, you look running, you see conceding those types of goals, it's a very, very long and, and, and lonely road. And as much as the manager's there, Martin Dale's there to try and take the hit, um, his honeymoon period is over and he's now going to have to earn his corn. But I don't think Livingston will be, I, I think they'll either be the automatic relegation or they'll be in the playoff. And it will definitely be between. Livingston 
Ross County and Dundee. I think that as well. I think as well with Livingston, as you say, they've never really, as you made a good point, they've never really replaced Dykes. And I think, although although they beat Celtic and they were probably, they play the same way. It's it's very compact. It's very, just keep the, keep the, Keep the players out for as much as possible. Keep the keep the game tight, and it's if you if you lose a goal, it becomes. It's as if Scott, so, sorry, it's as if they're setting up to defend and not be defeated at the moment. Aye, and it doesn't matter who they play, whether they go away or whether they're at home. It's as if they're setting up behind the ball, not to be defeated. Aye. And if we get one chance, can we take it? And I think as well, and I think. I know probably a few Livingston fans maybe won't thank me for this, but they have punched above their weight in recent years. Like they have, they, they have, they are staying in the league's their ultimate objective. But the past couple of years, yeah. they've finished top six, and is it now a case of that? It's kind of reached the level where it that it's where it's kind of now going to be just survive. And but they've lost a lot of players as well. I mean, obviously, Dykes away to QPRs, a couple of players left as well. It seems to me as well that there's a lot of like Andy Shinney, I think a lot of the load's going to go on him because of his experience in that, and it's fair, fair enough and things like that, but you need, I mean, obviously Jeremiah Thomas as well, who's a big player for them last season, they, they don't have that anymore. They need to yeah, they yeah. need to bring in a couple of players who have that experience and have that kind of ability to, to change a game, sort of what, like, maybe we'll touch a bit on, like, Motherwell as well. They brought Tony Watts there. Is he's a he's a player with a lot of experience. They've they've got that striker, and I think a lot yeah. of these teams need that kind of striker to just get them out the of the hole. Yeah, the two the two players you mentioned previously there for Livingston Scott are both above six foot. So mm-hmm. when you're sitting with two banks of four, and you get the ball in your eighteen yard, you've got that target man to hit. And they'll hold the ball up, and and they probably defined Livingston with that style of play. And you had the runners off it. Forrest hasn't really come in and, and, and hit the ground running at the moment. It's not as if they're creating chance after chance after chance in that style. But then again, what is Livingston's style of play at, at, at this present moment in time? It's sitting, but we haven't got the target man to hit. So how do we get out there? And then it's just phase after phase after phase. Yeah, definitely. But we'll, obviously, they played well yesterday and just were unlucky with the result. But we'll move into the two games today. We'll start off with Petodre, the early kickoff. Aberdeen won, Celtic two. Furahasha gave Celtic the lead. And then uh, just after half time, Lewis Ferguson brought Aberdeen level. A late winner from Jota gave Celtic the three points. Charlie, we spoke a lot during the week about Ange Poster Coglu and his ability to change the game. And we thought that Celtic lacked character to go and get results and dig deep and get, get a win. They did it today and it was a tough, tough game, as we keep saying, a tough place to go, but they got the three points and it's it was a massive win for Celtic. And could this be the start of a wee a wee run for them? Yeah. I don't doubt I don't doubt for a minute Celtic's character. And I, w- I wouldn't doubt anybody playing football that they don't have the right character with regards to their. What I do doubt with Celtic is the ability to defend and the, the, the continuous ability to defend and defend and defend. And I, I was I was doing a wee bit of research and, and we were talking about, about Ange Postecoglou. If you imagine Brazil of the 80s, Brazil of the 80s were a team, well, 
if you score three, we'll score four. Mm-hmm. If you score five, we'll score six. And that seems to be his, his, his stamp on it at the moment. But Celtic are, are, are they're no firing in cylinders as well with, obviously, with, with Furish, uh, what's his name? Kyogo, uh, Furish, 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 Now that he's coming back, it's, it's, it's a big, massive burden for a striker to carry a club. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, it's a great result for them because they've, they've dug in. But the stats are Celtic had two shots and goals and scored. Aberdeen had one shot and goal and scored. And, and you've got to kind of weigh up that side of things. Sometimes the three points is better than anything else. You blow the stats out the window because we're away down the road with the three points. Is it the turning point? Well, they go to Motherwell next game after the... They've got a hard run of fixtures as well, but it is a, yes. it's a, it's a thing where they can really make that a, a, start, a stepping stone of that we, we push for that. They've obviously, the, the two European games, they were obviously disappointed Thursday night, but I think they go to Hibs as well, am I right? I think they go to... I think they go somewhere else before the end of the month. And... I think, they go to, I think they go to Hibs and there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on Celtic at the moment and yeah. I think as well I'll bring Callum in this as well but scraping a scraping a 2-1 away win against Aberdeen in their current form at the moment it's, 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 it's not really the, the box office result if that's the right word to use I thought though see when Furahashi scored and it was a terrific goal I was telling everybody as well where I was talking to Furahashi's movement is Remarkable. He's a fantastic player. There's He's a, a lot. Of, you can tell just his intelligence as well. The thing I like as well, IQ. He knows where to be. It's a terrific ball for Turnbull, but he mm-hmm. knows he knows where to go. That's the thing as well I like about Furahashi. And He's a striker. He's, He's a, a striker. striker. I remember Craig Brown telling me this. Uh, Craig, as a striker, see once you see the defender's number, mm-hmm. you've got him. Aye. And, and that's one thing he does. He goes left and then he just comes away right and he's there. And the, 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 the centre half doesn't know where he is he's, and he bang, go. Yeah. Callum, what was your thoughts on Celtic's victory over Aberdeen? Yeah, obviously it's a, it's a three points on the road, but as Charlie said, brought it up about the defending. Um, I just I just think, you've said it on here before, I know I've not been on um, quite a lot, but I've listened to it. It seems to be every week, it seems to be crossed balls that Celtic cannot defend from. The ball comes in, and I think someone goes to win at the front post, and the ball, Lewis Ferguson, it doesn't even hit it that hard. The guy in the front post can't get it, and Joe Hart can't even go towards it. It's the same situation every weekend. Obviously, the score, the, the second goal they scored, you haven't mentioned that yet, but the I'm second goal they scored is a great goal. Eye. The ball comes across to the left-hand side and it goes right across the box and Jota just taps it in. It's the two goals Celtic scored, obviously, they're two great goals. Um, the goal they concede, it's calamitous. It's, it's, it's just the same situation every week. Um, if they were to sort that out, though, I think, if they do sort that out, they'll go on a great run of form. Um, we all know what Celtic can do. Um, going forward, they just, as you say, um the guy Furuhashi, um, he'll, he'll, he'll get Celtic goals, he'll, he'll create chances. Um, away to Aberdeen is never easy, but Aberdeen haven't been on the best run of form. Um, I think, is that only, um, is that maybe the fourth game they've scored in this season? 
Yeah, something like that. Right. So you've you've got stats there, haven't you? You've, you're oh, up cheers. To date. <laughs> but I think I think as you say, um, the, the Celtic Celtic will struggle with that all season, no matter what team they come up against. If they can't stop conceding goals, that's the that's the main issue for Celtic. Yeah, the same goal as well. The winning goal is a terrific goal. Yeah. Obviously, when when Tom, I think that's exactly where Tom Rogic. Tom Rogic is your guy to bring on. I don't they think... come on and change the game. Aye, and I think as well, the, the one of the things I had with Celtic in the, the past few weeks was Turnbull and Rogic seem to be very similar in the regard. I think they're too similar to play together in a, a two-man midfield. Obviously, McGregor, McCarthy was playing behind McGregor, done it today. I think is, I think playing that kind of holding midfielder with McGregor and maybe Turnbull when you bring Rogic on, he changed the game, as Callum said. It's a terrific piece of movement and terrific pass into Montgomery who lays it into a brilliant position for Jota to put the winner in. But if you've got a brilliant striker running and moving, put me in the middle of the park and I would look great putting balls through to him. Aye. Sometimes it's always not only the person on the ball, it's the off-the-ball movement yeah. and makes it with regards to the And if you've got... If you've got a guy like uh, Kyogo, he, 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 he's one of the guys you're thinking to us, thank God he's in their team. Thank God he will look at him because we can give him the ball inside the box, he can create that yard. But what, what the point I was going to try and, and make is that John Kennedy was a fantastic defender. Mm-hmm. So why can, why can and, and obviously no John personally, but why can they no coach to defend? Why can they no? Can I remember somebody else was was a fantastic defender, but they were leaking goals. Why can he no coach that? Because he, he should know where everything should be with regards to that side. So it's that's probably the frustrating thing for for Celtic supporters at the moment. Albeit they maybe no uh, want to see the, the two people there, but it, it was a fantastic defender in his in his day prior to his, 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 his injury from yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the thing you're talking about, though, is, as you say, John Kennedy, learns, um, obviously, coaches him to defend. I think Julian is a big miss. It's part, I know he's been out, for, I don't know how long he's been out for, I think it's been about three, four, three or four months, but that's a man in your defence that you need. Um, Iranovic, is he tall enough to be a centre-half, I don't think? Uh, I think Welsh obviously in your team as well Welsh isn't experienced enough as like Julian is I think Julian's a big miss obviously I think he's about 6'4 six six you're completely right what you're saying Charlie I mean I understand that he's a, he was a defender but balls in the box have been it's been like this for years oh, for Celtic yeah, three yeah, or four years yeah. um, I, I agree with what you're saying 100% but I think Julian when Julian comes back fat, I think Things might change for them, so but it's just it's just one of the things. I mean, Julian's not in the team, but have, have they signed in a, a good enough centre half to to defeat that purpose of cross balls? Judy's still out, but it's a it's a massive win for Celtic. We can't, we can't take nothing away. It's it's one of the those results. Obviously, when you're coming off a really poor run, up yeah. losing three away games in a row, you need that win. That's to go to Petodre and win two one. It's always a a massive bonus, but. Aberdeen, we'll touch on them quickly as well, Charlie. It's no, it's no looking good, isn't it? It's, no. And what, yeah. what is the solution? I thought as well, when Brown went off, you could see there was a massive just yeah. presence yeah. missing. Like when Brown yeah. went off, I thought they just uh, there wasn't the same intensity and I think that was that did lead to them kind of going out, kind of going out the game a bit because I thought until they, 
until Brown went off. I thought they were really, really on top of Celtic in the second half. The second half, they really, yeah, they really come on and 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 yeah, player you mentioned Brown, he, he'll drive anybody forward from there. And if you've got somebody beside you who at that age is working his backside off and everything, then you need to be working your backside off as well. That drives other people down. How many times have we saw teams that have got three or four players as passengers because yeah. there's nothing for there? Um, yeah. I don't know. We, we spoke about it last week or the, the week before, Scott. Is Glass trying to do something completely different? And the players are maybe no... Well, we don't understand because it's all right in the training field when you can step through, step through. But in game scenarios, have, have they got that kind of mentality thinking of, of what they're trying to do? Does he need to go just strip it back to basics? I heard his interview in the wireless when we were obviously uh, driving up um, and he says they're no far away. Mm -hmm. maybe, in, maybe in the 35 minutes of the second half, they didn't look far away, but they didn't create chance after chance after right. chance. And and Aberdeen at the moment, they're sitting ninth. It's the worst start they've had for up to years. And they really need to to, to go on a, a, a run uh, and pick up points because, again, you speak about the St. Johnston fans. The Aberdeen fans, they'll be expecting them to be top six. They'll, they'll be expecting them to be uh, third. Right. And I think it's similar to the situation as you see at like Celtic as well. Like new manager, new philosophy. It's got to, you've got to give it time to get it right and get it implemented fully. But there's only so much the fans can accept. And I think as well, similar as Aberdeen had many years with with Derek McInnes, where they were maybe not making that next step to go and challenge, but they were stable. They were there was that stability of we are we're in a comfortable position. We're always going to be there or thereabouts. And I think that's Aberdeen fans, I don't think will will accept that kind of mediocrity for a wee while, which maybe comes when you're rebuilding a team. Because a lot of players in there that have come in in the past kind of 12 months, like some Bates, obviously Brown, Ramirez has came through, Calvin Ramsey's broke through. There's a lot of players there who haven't been there for, are only just kind of, they're all gelling. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of patience, but again, in Scottish football, where Aberdeen, we know that their history and things like that, do does he get that time? Does he get that? Does the manager need to go in? Because I remember listening to Scott um, Robinson when Robinson came into Motherwell and he says, "Oh, I wanted to do this, but I knew I had to stay in the league, so I had to forget about my plans right. and just go and play four four two and get results and date for that." So does Stephen turn around and say at the moment? I forget what the, that this wonderful philosophy I'm trying to play and just go back and steady the ship and say, right, let's try and get a couple of victories, a couple of points on the board, and then still in the, in the background, still trying to work on yeah. whatever he's trying to play. I don't, I don't think we see Aberdeen playing differently from the Derek McInnes days at the moment. Aye, I agree with you. Then for that. Carl, yeah, you want to add an Aberdeen before we move on to the last game? Yeah, I think I think obviously four defeats in the bounce. They've not won a game since August. The last one came against um, the team in the Europa League qualifiers. As you said, both saying it's going to be a struggle unless, just Charlie says, unless they try and change something, go back to his what um, Charlie was saying about Scott Robinson, do the same as he did, 
try and make sure they can get wins. The thing is with Aberdeen, they want to be pushing hearts and hubs for third and fourth for the Europa League, uh, Europa League spots. If they don't start now, I think you could be looking to start in November and Stephen Glass will not be there for much longer if they don't get uh, results. So I think it's tough. Obviously, Celtic is not an easy team to face, but I think if they don't start getting results, I don't think he'll be there come Christmas. So I think they need to start getting results. So it could be curtains for Stephen Glass. We'll move on to the final game of the weekend in the Premiership, which took place at Ibrox. Rangers 2, Habs 1. A game that was filled with controversy. We've got a question here from a master M. Wilson for Charlie. Charlie, is the Ryan Porteous challenge a red card? This is the million-dollar question in our group chat. Wilson wants to know your thoughts. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm not shirking this in any way, shape or form, but as you well know, Scott, I was up at I, I was up in Govan the day, 400 yards along from Ibrox when my daughter was playing at Benbirds Park. Yeah. Um, but I haven't saw, I've only saw a clip that, that uh, you were wonderfully f- to furnish it with me with regards to there. To me, it's an opinion decision. It, it, it's an opinion. Is it reckless and dangerous or it, does it endanger the safety of the player? Uh, and I think if you put it to, to different referees, you may get different reactions for that side. Looking at it, it's not a great clip. It's not a great thing. I'll, I'll give you an answer. I think it's a yellow card. Is the referee at the time maybe saying the speed? Is that why he's maybe gave him a red for it? But sometimes the speed of the challenge is looking at Portis, it doesn't look as if it accelerates into the challenge with regards to there. And also sometimes it's even though you've won the ball, it's the manner in what you go in to win the ball sometimes as well. Um, for there. So, so this is an. I think this decision will probably split a lot of people. I don't think you'll get a lot of people coming out and saying, hundred percent Stonewall red card, hundred percent Stonewall yellow card. I think you'll get a big fluctuation with it because of the the type of challenge for there. And so, what happens if that tackle happens in the box? Is that a different, no, different no, scenario? Not at all. No, no. I don't believe in that cliche. Um, in regards to there, your your. In the box, you're awarding a penalty kick, and you're seeing to yourself: does it follow? Does it follow tick 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 for a yellow, or does it mm-hmm. follow tick 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 for a red? And um, for there, no. I don't think if you put that clip at, at meetings with referees, I don't think you would get a unanimous across the board of whether it would be all for red or all for yellow. I think you would get a varying split. Of some people think it's a yellow card, some people think it's a red card. Well, that was my thoughts at first. When I first seen it live, I watched the game live, and I, the first instance I thought, yeah, it's a red. I, I thought immediately it's a red. Saw it slowed down, and you don't come to the same conclusion, but there's, you see it a lot more visually with slow motion. You see that he wins the ball, but my thinking is, if that connects, if he connects with Joe Aribo, that's a that could be a serious injury, and that's that and the cliche Hugh even spoke about in Radio Clyde when I was on the way up the road. You're giving the referee a decision to make when you're going up with the studs. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. And if you're going up with the studs, I don't know I don't know the rules specifically. I always lean to you, Charlie, for refereeing decisions. I think if you're running if you're put if you go up with your studs in the air, you're whether you win the ball or not, you're running the risk of giving the referee a decision to make. And, I, and he's making that decision based on is he endangering the safety I, of the player? 
that's that's the first and foremost he's, he's looking at it from that point because be, if it's reckless and dangerous then he'll be looking towards the yellow card but if he endangers the safety of the player by the speed of the challenge the actual what chances they got in winning the ball mm -hmm. um, for there and also the, the, the way the foot and for that side of things in fairness am I right in saying that he doesn't lunge in it's not, I, it's not as if... He's like, on the ground. Yeah. He's on the ground and sliding. Um, I, think he's, I, think he's, uh, I think his boot goes up towards Aribo's, Aribo's shin. Right. I think I think that's how, um, as you're saying, as it on the ground. I think he was up maybe just below his knee, maybe not as far up as that, but I think that's where um, the height was. I was the opposite to what Scott said there a couple of minutes ago about, um, about at first he thought it was... A red card. I thought at first it was actually quite a good challenge, right? Because you see everybody looking, um, and obviously in the crowd you see them all shouting and everything. But the Ryan Portis just runs on as if he didn't make a bad challenge. But then you do see the replay, and you do see that it is. You do see the foot going up towards the shin mm -hmm. area. I was opposite to what Scott said about um, at first. I thought it was a good challenge, and then you see it the second time you think it's worse than what it looked at at first. So I don't know your opinion on that. I don't. Th I think it's going to be one of those ones that, again, as Charlie points out, you'll never get a total agreement on this. Like, there's, we've we probably all came to a different conclusion just seeing it. I know maybe I, we've seen it more than you've seen it, Charlie. But what I will do is, what I will do, and I'll, I'll not shirk it in any way, shape, or form. Is I'll stay up late tonight and I will watch the sports scene highlights, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll then give you a wee message ping to to give you my my decision when I see it in real time happening in the first... Aye, I think as well, it's, it's one of those things, and it, there's there's a big thing as well, obviously, Hibs are leading the game at this point, and mm -hmm. a red card always is always going to change a game, and would it be different? Would would the result have been different if they were living in the park? We don't know, that's, again, it's if, buts and maybes, but up until they were sending off, I thought Hibs were the bit, five, by far the better team. I thought by far. By far I'll the better team. I'll take a, a, a wee quote from, uh, as we heard for here, obviously when Portis went off, Alan was sacrificed. Yes. What influence did he have in the game Alan. at that particular time? Well, I thought as well, I thought a lot of the play was going through Alan and I thought a lot of the play was going through Martin Boyle and I think they kind of went with, I would say they kind of went with two up front to begin with. It was kind of like a three, five, two and then it was like, uh -huh. but Boyle, they moved Boyle wide. And I thought there was a bit of a difference with that. They didn't have that midfield threat. And I thought at times a lot of the kind of play was getting... A lot of the... When they were going wide, I thought a lot of the play was just being cut short by Rangers. I thought Rangers came into it a lot in the second half, to be fair. But Hibs were the far better team until the red card. And it, it just shows you that it changes the game completely. And again, you're sacrificing a midfielder for a defender. It completely changes the way the game. And it did. And mm -hmm. I think that's the thing as well. Like, would the result have been different if Portis had been on the par? That's what we don't know. But we'll touch a bit on, obviously, Rangers. Obviously, getting a result. Roof and Morelos get the two goals for Rangers in the second half. Rangers return to the top of the table. Callum, it's not been a great watch for, for Rangers supporters in the past few weeks. We obviously how. Is there a bit of tiredness there? Is, is there a, a kind of hangover for last season? I've kind of spoke about that in the show the past couple of weeks, but it's a big result. It's a big result, beating, beating Habs at home, not playing well. Must be a big, big advantage going into an international break with top of the table. Yeah, it is. Um, obviously, any Rangers 
they want three points no matter who they're playing or where they're playing. Um, the thing is, if you watch Rangers for the goal they concede, um, it, it's we talked about Celtic's um, defensive defensive problems in the previous game we spoke about. The defending for the goal that they concede is it's, it's absolutely horrendous. I mean, the ball comes in, bad as it tries to stop the cross, no matter, he's got to get his foot out seriously quicker and try and stop the cross coming in. Now, it's a great goal. Don't take a it away from that. It's a great header, an absolute great finish. But the goal they concede, the def- there's two players marking him, so they say on the telly. The two players marking him, Lundstrom and Goldson, they're a considerable height. I mean, we spoke about it when we were watching it. I have never seen Conor Goldson or Liam Balogun dominate the box for Rangers at the defensive side. Conor Goldson, yeah, he scores headers for, going forward, but at, at the back, I have never seen him go and demand, demand the box. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's just the way I, I, I look at it. I mean, the two goals you score is two crossballs again. Three, three goals from three crossballs. The thing is, we say, I've, I've said it to you hundreds of times, Scott, the amount of time when the last international break came around, Rangers were going to rest and try and get back to um, a structure and try and kick on from there. They didn't do that after the last international break. Will they do it this time? It's, it's what we'll, we'll see. But I think it just, it just looks, it looks good. They're still winning, which is a bonus for them. Um, but they're not winning pretty. Um, maybe that will be the case for the full season. We don't know, but they're still winning. So Rangers fans probably can't complain, but probably will. But the thing is, they're still winning. So we can't really say too much. So, Charlie, obviously you've you are you've been in an era like I'm, I can I keep, was at the end of that when Rangers were winning by odd goals and winning thirty and things like that. I'm I'm used to seeing that, but. When you've dominated a season the way they did last year, there was there were I mean they've called it relentless. They were relentless. They were winning games comfortably. They were they were scoring goals for fun, especially at home. When does that become difficult to maintain? When you're you're winning ugly, but you've got the ability. You, these players are capable of so much better. You see, like Saribo, Hadji, even Kamara, they're, they're so much better than what they're showing this season. What, what do you think is the reason that Rangers only maybe at the level they were last season? Two things. Two things. I think the first thing is that it's easier to win the championship. It's more difficult to retain it. Mm-hmm. And I think they're seeing that maybe at this moment in time. Because last year, when they played in Europe, they played some really good football. And they come back and played domestically and played good or ground out the result from that side. So we're seeing maybe that mentality that it's always difficult to retain something. and, and last year, without the crowds, the, there was a wee bit more freedom to play. Whereas now, there's maybe when you make a mistake or when you make, there's the crowd on your back, which stifles people a wee bit with regards to there. And the other thing is, and, and it will come to every team, it will come to every team. The, the past couple of weeks, months, there's a wee bit outbreak of COVID. And 
I don't know the medical side of things, but I think that has a, a massive hit on you as an individual side of things. So whilst you may look good and look fit, you might not be operating in, in a 100% for that side. So there might be a wee bit, bit of tiredness. You know what it's like sometimes when you're for the weekend and you think, oh, I'm, come, I'm going to come down with something here and you've got to try and pick yourself up on a Monday to go into your work all jovial and things for there. So I think there's maybe a wee bit of, of that and I think there's also a wee bit of clouds on my back and, and the difficulty to retain something. I, I think there's, I think I've said that for a few weeks. I think there is this hangover for last season. I think there's, it's difficult to maintain the level and I've said as well, I know I've kind of you had it. it. You saw it, Scott, sorry. You saw it with Liverpool. You know, I mean, Liverpool last season blew everybody away. Fantastic side of things. And all of a sudden now it's just no clicking, etc., etc. So I think it's always the second season. You, you judge everything with the second season of, 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 of teams, of managers, of players and stuff. And I think we're just starting to, to see that. I think as well, you saw the day, just the relief of Gerard and a lot of the players just to get that result because that was a massive test today and especially when you're not playing well when you're coming up against the team kind of rallying at the top just now who, who started really well. Hibs and Hearts have been tremendous but Hibs have always been a fan of the way they play under Jack Ross but that's a big, big result. Is it not Hibs' first defeat? I think it is, eh? Yeah. I think it is. And what will also... What also is, is a score for the Hibs fans is, is what you said earlier, Scott, that they played two up front. We're going to Ibrox and we're playing two up front. We're going for it. Mm-hmm. And it showed it. It showed um, for there. And then obviously, as you say, it turns in the, in, in the decision, which hopefully I'll see you later on. Yeah. But then there is the, 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 we need to get this. Mm-hmm. And again, Hibs have came, they've played two up front, have went one nothing up. And then in the 90 minutes, we're coming away with a with a, with a two one victory, which yeah. would be a major would be a, a, a major scalp because there there'll be one if not the closest rivals to you. Yeah, definitely. up until up until they sent sorry, sorry Scott, on you go. No, up until up until they sent it off. As soon as the first whistle went, Hibs didn't sit in. Hibs didn't come. They chased Rangers. They put them under pressure. Normal, you see clubs uh, coming to Ibrox and. Parkhead, etc., coming and sitting in behind the ball. Hibs went and put press Rangers, and for the first since the sending off, Hibs were night and day compared to what Rangers were in the first whatever half an hour it was. It looked as if they could have went and scored a couple extra goals um, and put Rangers under a, a, a severe amount of pressure. They didn't sit and they, they pressed Rangers and they put Rangers under under real pressure. They made Rangers pr- uh, struggle with the ball. Um, but the thing is, Hibs Hibs had a good enough side to go and do that. Ibrooks and Parkhead stuff like that. So. I think if the sending off didn't happen, I think Hibs probably still would have won the game and went on and and probably um, dominated the second half. I know Rangers will come out in the second half and um, obviously come out a bit better, but I, I still think Hibs would have won it. I just think in the first half an hour, Rangers were nowhere near what Hibs were. Hibs were in, their intensity was good. I just think that's just my opinion on it. I think the first 25 minutes, I was really impressed with how Hibs came out and didn't sit in. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd agree with you. I think Hibs were far better on the, the first half. I think Gerard when he changed, when he brought Roof on, I thought it gave them a more direct, a bit more direct threat, and I thought it did change the game, obviously. But would they have done that, though, if they had 11 men? 
Probably not. Well, probably would have had a proper roof on at some point, but what would they have done it differently? I don't know. But you've, I mean, it's you're talking there about cross balls for there was two terrific crosses into Roof and Morelos, mm-hmm. and I thought Parson was excellent today as well. Yeah, I think Parson played well. Is the international break coming at the right time for Rangers just to get that, as Callum says? But we thought we'd see in the second, the after September, getting that kind of getting your players like Kent back, who's a big mess. I think Kent's a big mess even when he's not playing well because he's wanting on the ball, he wants to create things and Rangers need that. It's a wee bit of, it's a, wee bit of a kind of myth type of thing. It's an international break, so we'll get a rest. But a lot of Rangers and Celtic I players know, yeah. are flying. And particularly now, they're, fly, they're not just flying three and four hours. They're flying uh, 10, 11, 12 hours mm-hmm. uh, to places now. So that that will have a, a a drain on you as well. Um, I, I think a few Rangers players in Nigeria, if, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Depending depending what their um, their qualifiers are with regards to uh, well, it's it's World Cup qualifiers, isn't uh, it? So mm-hmm. across, uh, across the thing, I'm thinking the Euros. Um, no. So aye, there'll be a way that they'll be doing it with regards to that. So sometimes they're getting people rest. The international break. It's good for your injured players who are just there or thereabouts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can work in them and we can do it for that side of things. Yeah, definitely. But we'll touch on the results in the Championship quickly. We'll get, ask everybody the result of the weekend. Morton 2, or both 2, Hamilton 2, Inverness 1, Kilmarnock 1, Wraith Rovers 3, Partick Thistle 4, A United 0, and Queen of the South 1, Dunfermline 0. Storylines for the weekend, Kilmarnock and Inverness, both t- two of the top teams in the league, both losing. Big Kilmarnock losing at home to Wraith as well. Big wins for Wraith, Partick and Hamilton. Charlie, what was your result of the weekend in the Championship? Result of the weekend, unanimously, hands down, Hamilton, mm. with 10 men, holding on to beat Inverness Cali. Nice. A great result. Um, badly needed as well. Badly needed. it. Particularly majority as I've got Inverness Cali going down there to give them a good thumping and mm. um, having no conceded goals etc good away for him Dodgy's got them organised and structured but Hamilton fair does they come out early uh, scored early player gets sent off I can't mind what it was for but they hung on then Inverness scored late later on it was about 70 odd they got the one back so they must have been backs to the wall for there so that's a that's a great result for Stuart Taylor hopefully again that'll kick them up the table well it moves them it moves them from ninth to eighth mm. that's a big three points as well beating the oh, massive, Eagles, massive. Callum what was your result what was your result of the weekend in the championship my result of the weekend was Kilmarnock at one Rafe three I'm just saying that um your co-host Mark Wilson um, to see what his reaction will be um, obviously that's two two games now without a win for Kilmarnock um, to go to, to have Rafe who Rafe, Rafe are not in a bad form um, but I just wanted to say that to, to see what Mark Wilson's reaction will be <laughs> it's a big result for Rafe Rovers especially when you consider Kilmarnock I mean we all thought Kilmarnock would squish the league and it's not it's not proving his I think it's just sold a striker did they not and it's Cameron I think isn't it just left no he's he's on loan to Queen of the South yes yeah, he's on loan, uh, he's on he's on loan. Callum Henry Callum Henry came in as well from St. Right. Johnson he scored just for Kilmarnock but it's it's a big result for Wraith I, I think uh, Rory's got Wraith to win the league so that's a big it's a big result for them my result they're kicking themselves for their midweek result ah exactly again they, they, they should have t- 
taking taking the points off of Dunfermline, but fairness to Dunfermline for pegging them back. But uh, yeah, John McGlynn's a good. You see the way he plays the ball. He he gets them. He he gets them going well, and he picks out these one and two wee gems in the middle of the park, and and gets them working with the experience, and then getting that ultimate. Strike up to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I'm going for Partick four here now. I thought. Yeah. Again, Jim Duffy obviously getting the job permanently here. That was a surprise to me. I I thought I I remember you saying that you were were kind of surprised that he was in there, but Ian McCall obviously knows air well, but to go there and Partick will be wanting to to cause a wee up, not maybe not an upset, but Partick will be wanting to make a, a noise at the top of the league, and that's a big step for them. Obviously, Zach running with a double as well. We know him at Rangers, who's probably in the best place for him to get the, the kind of step up in the league he needs, but he's Partick Thistle going at home, one and four now. It's a massive boost for them, but League One, we'll touch on League One quickly. Airdrie 2, Clyde 1, Alawa 1, Cove Rangers 3. Falkirk 2, East Fife 1, Peterhead 5, Dumbarton 0, Queen's Park 1, Montrose 1. Now, if there's a result to sum up how tight League 1's going to be this season, Peterhead 5, Dumbarton 0. I didn't see that coming. Charlie, what's Bottom of the table, Peterhead. Bottom of the table, Peterhead. That league is going to be a, a brilliant league to watch all season, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, because Queen's Park... A lot of financial support, obviously, with what happened with them in regards to them. Yeah. Cove Rangers, financial support. Falkirk, financial su- support, full-time in regards to there. So you've then got Airdrie, Dumbarton, Montrose. Montrose are dropping away a wee bit there for the, a I couple of... They uh, drew one each today with Queen's Park. They drew one each today, yeah, that's right. And for there. So, yeah, it just... The funny thing about it is every league is... Every league seems to be tight. You think to yourself, well, oh, they're going to run away with it. When you think of, no, everybody thought Cove Rangers would come in and move up straight away. Queen's Park have obviously come up, invested heavily uh, with experience inside. Um, so them and, them and Cove are together on the points, and then three points behind is, is Falkirk with regards to there. So yeah, Peterhead, and it's not just one, nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's, fine, it's a really good thumping. Aye. And the Barton were in a great run as well up until then, but Peter had a massive push yeah. for Zim McAnally to get a result there. Callum, result of the weekend in the Championship? I'm going Cove Rangers 3, Alloa 1. Um, Alloa, man sent off in the first minute of the game. Um, I think that going, was the quickest sending off in Scottish football history, I'm right in saying. I think right. it was 25 it was seconds. Uh, it was not 30 seconds or something. Aye, somewhere, um, aye. I think... Obviously, I've not seen it back yet, but whether it's sending off your man on the show tonight, um, we've not obviously we've not seen it. But to get a sending off in the first minute of the game, what are you thinking in that minute of the game? Um, to go and get sent off, obviously it's tough. They managed to score, obviously, but it wasn't enough. So three-one Cove Rangers, my result of the week. Yeah, Rory McArthur with a hat trick as well. He's a massive player for them. And see the difference. See, see the funny thing about it with that Callum when you say, "Oh, a sending off in twenty-five seconds," I say. What's the mentality? How have the players left that mm-hmm. dressing room? Aye. I remember, I remember yeah, I remember good old good old Terry Butcher and Morris Malpass at Motherwell. Yeah, see when the players come out the dressing room, it mm-hmm. was as if remember the wee toys you used to get the keys and just put them into your back <laughs> and then take them out and let them go. And you had the guys like Scott Leach and you had, <laughs> you had uh, Hamill and you had uh, 
uh, big gym thing they up front and um, and uh, who's the assistant manager at the moment? Keith Lasley. Yeah, they were all running about the park, kicking everything. And see, within about two or three minutes, you're like, that guys, hey, I brought a boy. You want to try and kick this? And for there, so it just shows you sometimes how have the players left that dressing room? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a pep talk has done them. Maybe, maybe oh. the managers done it on a uh, overdone their pep talk and just went out and bad challenge in the first thirty seconds of the game. Bang, aye. We'll touch on League Two as well. Elgin, Edinburgh uh, en- City one. I beg your pardon. Edinburgh City one. Kelvin Beast one was on Friday night. Elgin nil. Still in two. Kelty Hearts one. Annan. Kelty Hearts two. Annan one. Stenhouse Muir one. Fourth for one. And Stranraer one. Albion Rovers nil. Callum, give us your result of the weekend in League Two. I'm going Stranraer one, Albion Rovers now. Um, Stranraer needed it. Um, I think they were sent eighth before the game. They've got them up to six now. It's not a big boost, but one now. Um, should hopefully um, for them boost um, boost their, their chances for the season, upcoming season. But Albion Rovers, I think, will be disappointed. Um, going away and not getting at least a draw because I think they had some great chances in the game working at the at the game. So um I think it would be disappointed for them. Um, but obviously one not win at home yeah, for Shunra's um three points and, and get some going. So yeah, one I'm, I'm going with Stolen to Annan uh, Stolen to Elgin now. That's a massive result again for Kevin Rukovic who's been on the show, friend of the show. Brilliant result. Obviously, they are going second in the league. They'll be wanting to chase Kelty as well, who they'll be really, really keen to get on their heels. But again, Kelty will win 2-1. But I'm going with Stirling. Terrific win for them. That continues their good run. Charlie, what was your result of League 2? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in your bandwagon, pal. Uh, for uh, things that will become pretty <laughs> pretty uh, announced in, in a wee while, Stirling. Um, Stirling would probably go up. It's a difficult place to go, Elgin. <laughs> They're all difficult places to go. <laughs> Stirling would, would begin up there hoping for Annan to do them a favour. Aye. Um, there. They, they, they probably weren't wanting Kelty and they probably weren't wanting a, a draw. Um, they were probably wanting Annan to, to, to win, um, which would have took them to, to 18 and, and, and kind of closed the gap side of things. So, going up to Elgin and, and winning 2 nothing to keep the pressure on. And now, there's uh, there's four, so it's 23 to eight, 23 to 19 between Kelty and Stirling, and there's now four between Stirling and Annan. Mm-hmm. So that kind of bridges the a wee bridge of a gap now, which gives Stirling a wee bit of a, a breathing, a wee bit yeah. of breathing space. Yeah, See the assistant manager up there, James Craney. Yes. Yeah. Stirling. Is that the James Craney that played with Linlithgow? I think so, eh? Is it? Right. So I'm sure it is. Another terrific weekend of Scottish football. We have uh, an international break coming up, so we've got the Scotland games in the next two weeks. We have Scotland at home to Israel and away to the Faroe Islands. Charlie, Scotland have put themselves in a really good position to to get yeah. at least second place. This is the this is the game. These are the two games they need to go and badly win. Home to Israel, away to the Faroe Islands. These are, this is a six-pointer. 100%. 100%. Nothing else will be acceptable, I don't think, because you, you, the Israel, you, you, we've played them so many times now. Times you know, in the past two years. We know what they're like, we know what they're set up, we're lucky enough to beat them, etc. So home crowd in at Hamden, we must give the crowd something to lift them and keep behind us. 
Uh, and and away to the fair, I hope it's not the stumbling block. I hope it's not the Kazakhstan, etc., uh, etc. Et we, we go there and we just cement it. We've got to take six points to keep that pressure on. Uh, I don't know the other fixtures with that, but I, we, we, I think we would all assume that Denmark's going to go and I think take Denmark it. play Austria. And the Scotland play the fifth. Surely do I. So we're, we're, we're thinking that Denmark's going to take the group. Nah, yeah. They're going They're to go ahead and take the yeah. group. Mm-hmm. Because I think the last fixture is home Scotland Denmark. Denmark. Aye, they're home to Denmark. So, so hopefully the, the group will be decided. I'm not saying Denmark are going to lie down to us in any way, shape, or form, but you're thinking that uh, the, 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 the table's over for yeah. them to qualified for mm-hmm. there. But yeah, these are this is this is you know that way you always see about uh, there's the, the control point in a game for refereeing. This is the points in the bag for the Scotland qualification. If we don't come out here with six points, I think we can see the, the, the tables turning. Yeah, Stevie Clarton so. needs to get this needs to win win comfortably against Israel, two nothing or something like that. But then go to the Pharaohs and really put in a performance and come back with three, four, and five nothing result. Yeah, but it's badly needed to that. This is the kind of they put ourselves in a good position. That win against Austria has just made this vital to get the points. Callum, give us your thoughts on Scotland's two games coming up against Israel and the Faroe Islands. I'm just going to second exactly what Charlie says. Um, six points from two games, that's what we need. Um, the thing is, as well, to to get home to Israel first. Home to Israel and then away to the Pharaohs, yeah. Away to the Pharaohs. Well, you probably prefer them to be at home, but both at home, but one away, one and away to Austria, the last three wins, three games that you want to win, the, last, the next two coming up. There's two games that Scotland should be winning. Um, I have all confidence in them to go and do it, though. Um, 100%. I mean, I don't, I don't worry one bit, so... Two wins is what Scotland need, as is, uh, Charlie says. The game against Denmark could be the Foster's start winning um, and come close to Scotland. It could be an issue at that point. But two wins to two, um, two games um, is what Scotland need. And I think that's what they'll get. So I'm um, full confidence in Scotland to go and get the two, the two wins. Yeah, I like what you say. I think that's two two games in need by the one. I have full confidence that the, the one both, I think as well, home to Israel. Just get Israel beat and then never, hopefully, never see them again because they've played them so many times. It's beginning to feel like it's just Scotland Israel every kind of international break. But it's, aye, it's two big games. But we'll touch on, we'll obviously have kind of coverage in that during the week. We'll be making wee predictions and things like that all during this, the kind of upcoming shows and things like that. But we've got a we've got a wee interesting point. It's quite good we've got Charlie on to talk about this. Obviously, we've we've heard the news this week that potentially this could be the time where. VAR, Video Assistant Refereeing, could be implemented in Scottish football. There's meetings and summits set, I believe, with the kind of government bodies and kind of SFA, SPFL. I think a few of the clubs are meeting as well. Yeah. Charlie, it's probably the, the kind of taboo with Scottish football. We know how it's implemented in England maybe isn't right and isn't fully effective, but we have seen it work. And referees, I think, I've always kind of thought this as well, and you'll be... You you maybe agree or disagree, but I don't. I've always thought the the standard of refereeing in Scotland could be improved. And this is this the thing that could do it? Is this the is it the right time to kind of move with the times and get this technology in to give the referees more help when it comes to making big decisions? 
unanimously yes, and every every referee in Scotland wants it. And the reason they want it is for seven guys. There's seven guys in the FIFA international list. And if we don't have VAR, then those guys are no going to be considered for uh, later stages of the major tournaments, yeah. the Champions League games, the Europa uh, League games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now they've obviously brought it into the the World Cup qualifiers and the Euro qualifiers. You're not going to be in, involved in that. There's nothing worse than than going away as a team of officials and they're split between countries. Now, albeit Scotland and England, the, the language barrier is not a problem, unless you come from Auchinleck and somebody comes from Newcastle. <laughs> not only joking, man, for there. So you want to go away as a team and for there. Now, will it improve the standard of refereeing? That's a hypothetical question. But what it will do is it will cut down in the clear and obvious refereeing errors. And that's what VAR is to do. We are unfortunately looking at it in the English Premiership. And I think personally they use it incorrectly because some decisions are opinion decisions. And if the referee makes that on-field opinion decision, then leave it. You saw it working fantastically well in the Euro Championships. Yeah. And the amount of games where there was VAR reviews was quite a lot, but the amount of overchange decisions were very few and far between. Yeah. And that's why FIFA have now took the reins of bringing VAR to the countries who are not financially better off. And it's called VAR Light. And it's a different uh, financial package where you're not getting the all singing, all dancing, but you're getting a good coverage in order to do the job well. And I believe it's Howard Webb who has been challenged with looking after this part of the of the, the the Europe in order to deliver it and get it to go through, um, and Scotland, we need to. I've always said, I've always said it will come. When it will come, it's just a matter of time. And now FIFA have, with their committee, have said the financial restraints of the all singing, all dancing, can't be met by some countries. So now we've scaled it back a wee bit and that's what Howard Webb will, will come up and he'll talk to the clubs, he'll talk to referees and he'll tell them about it. And if it's implemented, it's not there to say, so if you're refereeing, Scott, and I'm in the caboose and I'm saying, I've got a different opinion in that decision, come on and have a look at it. It's not there. It's not to do that. There must be a clear and obvious refereeing error. And if it's brought in like that, it will work. It will work and it will work well and it will also enhance the game of football. If it goes down the if it goes down the avenue of what the English are doing with the difference opinion, yeah. it will cause absolutely mayhem. Yeah, and that's the that's the problem I've got with it. If it was to be implemented that way in Scotland, I don't think it would help again. I no, think it would no. make we're having we're having debates tonight about Ryan Porteous, for example, that's if you've got we've not came to that a definitive conclusion as, as a panel, the three of us. You're asking if you're say, I'm just using this as an example. Say uh, Nick Walsh, who was a referee, is 
and the and on the pitch and yeah. you've got yeah. a you've I'm only Hugh Dallas, for example. Say Hugh Dallas was a man in the ref, the, the VR room. He comes to a different opinion. Does Nick Walsh change his opinion to go with Hugh Dallas because of that's the way it's been done in England? Because that's the way it looks to me in England, the way it's yeah, done. 100%. That, that's would be, that would be very, very, I would say, da- not dangerous maybe, but it would be a, a risky thing to do in Scotland, Scottish football. Well, you take that thing. example today then. You take that example today and... and I, I, We'll use Nick Walsh and we'll use myself um, for that. So Nick Walsh makes that on-field decision. I review that and I can't see a clear and obvious refereeing error. Yes. And I keep my mouth shut and we go on with it. And and that's how it should work with regards to it. If Nick Walsh issues a a yellow card, I can't see a clear and obvious refereeing error. So we, we go with regards to that side of things. It's only when it's clear and obvious refereeing error. And that also means as well, Scott, as if there's two players that make contact in the box and one goes down and the referee gives a penalty, I still can't get involved in that because it's there's, there's no clear and obvious error. The co- contact's been made. Yeah. How much contact is an opinion decision? Does so that undermine the referee as well when you're like when you're doing when you're kind of changing his mind forcibly? Like is is that always because very rarely in English football, and we're using English football as an example here because it's yeah. probably what we all watch with us implemented. You don't really see the referee going to the the screen as much in England. And I think that always looks as if it undermines the referee because it means the referee's changing his mind without really having the evidence to say he's changing yeah. himself. And that's always been my, my worry with it if it was implemented up here because I go back to a time, and you might remember this, and I'm not singling out Craig Thompson here because I like Craig Thompson as a guy. Nice. I've spoke to him on one occasion. Very nice guy. Do you remember? And I think it was maybe 10 years ago in the cup final. He, got the, he gave a penalty. I think, I'm sure it was a Rangers-Celtic game. He gave a penalty to Rangers then changed his mind straight away. That's true. Right. That was that that's was strange. That was really, really... That was made a complete, like, that was a news story for days because he changed his mind. And I could see that having a similar effect here. We, we know what the media, the media kind of thing, especially with kind of football, how it works up here, that would that would be a dangerous game. And that's that's my example here. I'm not singling out Craig Thompson. I'm just no, saying no. that was that's the example I always go to if FAR was implemented, how quickly that changed. If... if- circumstances and you need to you need to be aware of circumstances because of various different things so offsides VAR are going to look at offside and they are going to give their decision so you're not going to get you're not going to see an on-field review on that part of things mm-hmm. on-field reviews will be like when goals are scored is there any foul play leading up to that goal is the penalty is it yes or no penalty and also is it a red card or mistaken identity from their side of things. So if you tell me, if you're the VAR official and you say, Charlie, you've made a mistake, I want to see that mistake. Yeah. I want to go and see that mistake and say, 100%, you've highlighted, I've made a mistake. I'm given, and you see the old rectangle, and I'm given the decision with regards to that side of things. Yeah. It's no... It's, it's not acceptable just to say, Charlie, you've made a mistake, award the penalty kick and leave it at that. You want to go across and you want to see 
how, oh, I, yeah, I've clearly, yeah, I've made the mistake. I've clear and obvious refereeing error. I'm happy with that. Bang. It goes with it from that point. Yeah. But what's the point of going across to see the screen when the guy's telling you anyway? Aye. But it's it's the selling, it's it's the implementation of the protocol. Mm -hmm. Callum, right. what's your thoughts on VAR on Scottish football? I think it would it would definitely help. Obviously, the thing the thing I want to bring up is is this old Premiership, the old Premiership. For Scotland, I don't actually know. I've not even heard the it's going to be. It's going to be used in live broadcasted right, games, okay? Right, so not so, so not home, home, home free o'clock games like likes of that. So, if, you, if your game and we'll take, take for example, Dundee United versus Ross County to yesterday at three o'clock with regards to that side of things, there's nothing at the present moment, right? But what you might find is latter stages. There's a possibility to hook up maybe three or four cameras and look right. at it at that point. So they're going to start off. I can't mind what they said. Uh, wait till I go back and see. Also, to add what you're talking about, I know it's we're talking about Scottish football just now, but don't know if you watched the Liverpool Man City game earlier on. There was no. a foul. There was a foul at one point on Bernardo Silva. Milner tackled him, and um, Silva landed on his head. Now. There was talk on the telly whether it was a red card or whether it was a yellow card, but guard the all went off, off his head because nothing was given. Should If the referee doesn't give anything there, should the VAR not be saying, wait, hold on a minute, you missed that, you should be looking at the screen, or you should be... Is that where that should come into as well? Only for red card offences, serious foul play. But is that not something that can change the outcome of the game as well? Like, if, if, the, it, if the VAR official has identified serious foul play, then he will bring it to the attention to the referee to come and have a, a look at it with regards to there. The perfect example was uh, the, the, the player unfortunately bro broke his leg recently. Elliot. Got the tackle. The tackle mm -hmm. went in and all of a sudden 10 minutes and then we decided it was a red card. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but is the, are these? I know what we're talking about. If you when you brought up your child about the red cards, is there no is there no something out? It does annoy me a wee bit why they go red cards and only penalties. If game if the ref, decisions, major if the, ref, if the referee was to look at it, say for instance a shot was to hit um, a defender, and there was a an opposition player close to the defender, and it hits the actual player on the team that hits the shot, and it goes out for a corner. Do you know what? Should they not look at that and then they score? The, yeah. They bring the corner in and they score. That changes the outcome of the game is as well. Complicating into that is you'd be doing that. You're then, going to look, you're then going to look at the VAR official re-refereeing in the game. Aye, right. And we'll be here. We'll, we'll then turn a game of football into an NFL three and a half day. Yeah, I know you can't look at every every situation, no. but um, looking at it, would VAR change the Ryan Portis red card today? I don't think so. Whatever the on-field referee went with today, I don't think there's a clear and obvious refereeing error. Right. To, 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 so is that to, always based on just errors? It's clear, it's good, that's, that's the statement. The statement must be a clear mm -hmm. and obvious refereeing error. Right there. Um, and and to, to, to give an opinion, you're entitled to your opinion, but it's got to be... When, you, when you're bringing 
when you're bringing the referee across to look at the on, because that was another thing in England, decisions were given without on-field reviews, mm-hmm. and, and the, the, it then became one of my pals doing in England's like that. He says, Charlie, when you're coming across, you, you know you're going to be changing your mind. You know what I mean? Because all the communication is done. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's what it looks that like. Kind of but is it taking away the trust of the referees on the park? That's right, because if you've got an experienced official, if you've got Martin Atkinson as a VAR yes. and, you, and you've got uh, the fella Coots refereeing his first Premiership Correct. game, he, he's going to be influenced by what Martin Atkinson is telling him. And which, that's what I was trying to say as well. Like that, if you've got you look at the pictures, and you should. Thanks very much. Here's the clearing refereeing error. There's no clearing refereeing error, so I'm not bringing you ever to have a look at it. Yeah, definitely. But it's one of these debates that we'll we'll keep we'll keep having for until it's implemented. If there's news in this, we will obviously bring it to you in the social media channels. But we're going to wrap up the show there. It's been an absolute pleasure to do the show as always. Stay tuned during the week. We're going to have a Scottish football show extra coming up on Friday. Our player of the weeks will be up during the week as well. We've got a lot more coming up in the channel this week. But to Charlie and Callum, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much for helping out this weekend. No problem. Thank you. Brilliant. It's been an absolute Great, Scott. Thank you very much. Thank everyone you. who's tuned in, please subscribe to us on social media and follow our podcast channels. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers.